and friends. Of course, I go by the name of the kid, famous. You and now tuned into the Tim and Friends show. Hello, education, entertainment, coast to coast. Ball it up, call it entertainment. Let's get this started. Uncle Tim, let's start this show in five, four, three, two, one. Let's All right, go. Jesse Canada, what the hell is happening today? Last two shows have seen the bleep hit the fan. Just before we hit the airwaves, I know people think we tape this stuff the last couple days. Absolutely impossible. So Bertuzzi to Boston, Bukestead to Edmonton. What else we got here? Anything else I need to know about? Uh, a lot. Uh, Pasternak signing a long-term deal to stay with the Bruins. Yeah, I mean, I guess that, I mean, we kind of heard rumors in and around something like that. Is like a massive deal signed by Pasternak given the last little while, like, Eighth on the list, probably. <laughs> like I, it, it's honestly, it feels like uh, it feels like Ryan O'Reilly or even Bo Horvat, which was before that. It feels like those were like six months, eight ago. months ago. Yeah, yeah. doesn't it? It's yeah, crazy. it feels like a long time ago. A lot has happened. So we've got Bukestad, we've got Bertuzzi, and of course Arizona hiding more dead contracts. <laughs> Cap circumvention? What? I don't know. Burying the contract Who in is the it? desert. <laughs> yeah, like Jimmy Hoffa. <laughs> It's ugly out there. All right, listen, there's a lot of hockey. Uh, Kane's debut with the Rangers against Ottawa mm-hmm. tonight. McJesus. Blessing us all yet again, unless you're a Leafs fan. <laughs> Leafs, rumors of uh, perhaps them getting jiggy at a Springsteen concert. Yeah, yeah. Uh, makes Mike sense. will join us yeah. in the second hour to break it all down. But there's also a lot of basketball. Are the Lakers done? Who's screwed up more? Mavs with Kyrie or Clippers with Russ? Jokic or Yanni, and can the Raptors really make a run? Heading into an important back-to-back with the Wiz tonight on Sportsnet One. I pose these questions to you and Ramona Shelburne of ESPN, who will join us in the second segment of the show. All that, and did the Jays just field their opening day roster in Dunedin? Spicy. Kind of sort of looked like it, yeah, didn't it? that's fun. That's that makes fun. it feel like we're getting closer. Yeah. I know I poo-pooed the, the OGs. No, spring training it's, 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 it's a but. slow saunter yeah. towards spring. I'm not saying that it was a sprint. I'm not saying it was around the corner. Yeah. I just said that hope springs eternal, mm-hmm. that it will be upon us. Yes. And we, we are that slow saunter. It's like John Gibbons going to the mound. Yes. Remember how Gibby Extremely used to go to the mound? Slow. There was like that little skibbies waddle. waddle. Yeah. yeah. It's that slow saunter to yeah. spring here in Canada that we I'll see in the game of baseball. That's all coming up in another award-eligible edition of Tim and Friends, <laughs> which we hope is almost as good as watching this video of a bunch of goats eating tomatoes. Today on the menu, a giant wheelbarrow of tomatoes. Oh. Look at the joy in their faces. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice? Until I said, just wait. No. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> There's like it's like 50% gross and 50% extraordinarily cute. Uh, that'll be Jesse and I after the deadline tomorrow. <laughs> just give us What's a tomato and let us go yeah, to work. Tomatoes? Yeah. Okay. All right. No, it's alcohol. We know that. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, enough of the goats eating tomatoes. Although it does somehow. Remarkably satisfying. Uh, we start the show with Jesse Biggie and first things first. Let's do the deal, Bradley Beal. First things first. Well, uh, before I even get to uh, Bukestad, 
Frank Saravelli saying he hears Dallas is working on acquiring Max Domi from the Blackhawks. Oh. A few layers to it. So many take a little time to execute, but uh, Hudobin's contract involved. So, yeah, there you go. That's another one that just broke out right before we went on the air. I, uh, I made a new Timmy's Top 10, and Max Domi was on the new Timmy's Top 10, which well, not is official losing yet, so you're people good. You're more good. and more. Yeah. Like, our first Timmy's Top 10, I don't know if you know this, Jesse, yeah. uh, had seven of the ten traded. Right now, James Van Riemsdyk is yeah. at the top of Timmy's Top 10. A little ten. different list. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the original Timmy's Top oh, 10. Oh, man. Uh, a look, listen, and Taves got, back. Taves got hurt, right? Yeah. yeah he That's is, not yeah. fair. Agreed. This is today's. Besser has moved up a, considerably. A, a little less uh, intrigue on this one, but we'll have to see how it breaks down over the next little Amazing. while. Uh, Max Domi rumors I'll stay tuned. on the move to Dallas. But we yeah. got a couple deals today. Let's get to Bukestat and Bertuzzi. Yeah, so the, the Oilers. Got killer the Bees. Win. Yeah, Killer Bees. Jumping Jim Brunzel. B. Brian Blair. Uh, the Oilers further bolstered their roster by adding Nick Bukestat and defenseman Cam Deneen from the Coyotes for a third pick and defensive prospect third round pick and defense prospect Michael Kesselring. The Coyotes obviously will retain 50% of Bukestad's $950,000 salary. I remember when Phil Kessel got his ring. Yes, Kessel ring, yes. Uh, Meanwhile, the Eastern Conference arms race continuing today. As you mentioned, the first place Bruins made another big move, adding forward Tyler Bertuzzi in a trade with the Red Wings. Boston also announced... David Pasternak signed to an eight-year, $90 million extension. Pasternak was a pending unrestricted free agent. The new deal will make him the sixth highest paid player in the National Hockey League. Now, in exchange for Bertuzzi, Detroit gets the Bruins top 10 protected 2024 first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 2025. Important to note that Bertuzzi is set to become a UFA after the season in order for Boston to fit him under the cap. The Red Wings are retaining half of Bertuzzi's $4.75 million cap hit. And? And the Bruins placed Taylor Hall on long-term injured reserve with a lower body injury. And? Nick Foligno also on the regular injured reserve. A couple other moves to tell you about as expected. The Blue Jays, Blue Jackets, and you got the spring in my mind now, have sent Jonathan Quick to the Golden Knights in exchange for goalie Michael Hutchison in a 2025 seventh round pick. And Columbus also sent injured forward Jakub, Jacob Voracek to the Coyotes for goalie John Gillies and a 2023 sixth-round pick as Arizona continues to take on more salary for a player that is not expected to play for them. You want me to list this off now for you? Go for it. So Jacob Voracek, $8.25 million. He's got one more year left in the desert. Shea Weber, remember they traded for that contract? Three more years, $7.85 million. Andrew Ladd is on that rod. Sorry. Andrew Ladd is on that LTIR. Brian Little is. They've also retained salary on OEL and Patrick Kane. Like, this is Jimmy Hoffa's favorite hockey team. Is that right? a cue like, card? They are just bar- – yeah, I had to go to cue cards today. Love that. Yeah, I used to have – I was a big uh, big fan of the cue cards back in the score days. Mm-hmm. I had, like, personalized cue cards. It looked very, very, very official and professional. Yeah. Uh, just given the last two days, like, I'm lost now. I, I haven't used cue cards since public everywhere. speaking class. Oh, in did you ever do those, those speeches? Yeah, and you needed like a couple. Hi, I'm <laughs> Jesse Rubinoff, exactly and right. my speech is on why <laughs> I believe that Wayne Gretzky is the greatest player <laughs> exactly. on planet Earth. I might have Earth. even done that exact speech. Wayne Gretzky 
was born in Brantford, Ontario. <laughs> he played for the Toronto Young Nationals, which was effective. the same team that I play for in the GTHL. Effective. Um, Wayne, Wayne went to the Sault Ste. Marie, Salt St. Marie. Need more variants in where, the voice. Where bit. he went to <laughs> play junior hockey and ended up in Indianapolis. He was then traded to. Are you done? All right. Yeah, you're done. I'm done. Let's let's. I got. I wanted to get to the trade part so I yeah. could talk about Nick Bukestad <laughs> uh, to the Edmonton Oilers yeah. because not only was Wayne Gretzky traded to the Edmonton Oilers, of course, in the same bloody vein, Nick Bukestad. Mm-hmm. Bukestad yeah. was traded. Same, same to the, exact. Exact. Same. Along with Cam Deneen, let's yeah. not forget about him for a third round pick, uh, and as you mentioned, 50% retained on the salary. Now we know why there was 4% retained on Matthias Ekholm because that's. The amount of money they needed in order to get Bukestad, who is a strong defensive forward. They'll call him a two-way forward on all the tweets that go out here, but he's a 30-year-old who will play in your bottom six. And add some and add some defensive responsibilities of a guy that can go out there that's been there and done that. Yeah. yeah. Um, Cap Friendly tweeting it out. The Oilers had exactly $450,000 in cap space. Bukestad retained means 450000 So the whole master plan that you were talking about there, that Kenny Holland went into it knowing what was going to happen yeah. and executed. A lot of people were questioning, what the hell is the four? I love that we added extravaganza to that board. That's Brilliant. next. Tra- it is the trade deadline extravaganza well, here on Tim and Friends. Extravaganza. It's a whole, like, he's, I mean... Fourth liner, probably. Fourth line center for the Oilers. Probably, Swanson, yeah, probably. but you could probably put him on a third line depending on what you're looking for and what time of the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's a guy that you can kind of shuffle up and down your bottom six depending on what you need and when you need it. Doesn't hurt. No, he's not going to hurt. Definitely so, doesn't hurt. So that's what's going on with the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, it looks like Ken Holland's done some tidy business mm-hmm. after people wondered what the hell he was going to do. He gets Ekholm. He get, you would assume they're done. They're dollar for dollar. Every move that they make after no more this dollars. would be very hard. Unless, unless Yamamoto is hurt. Yeah. I mean, that was a, a pretty big hit that he it took was, last yeah, night from Justin left. Hall, by the way. I'm <laughs> Ryan Nugent Hopkins oh, coming over. Just filled him in. Yeah, you were upset though on Twitter well, about I mean, but you know fighting that, a guy. You know that this has like been a season-long take. This isn't just particularly with this situation. I just feel like every time there's a yeah, a but with this hit, situation, I love it because you're sticking little for guy, a guy gets that's had drilled a lot of, by a big guy. Multiple has... concussions this season. Right. No, I, I understand that. It's probably the wrong time to pick that battle on Twitter. Right. But nonetheless. I got you. I got you. Yeah. I think you agree. I think it doesn't always yeah. have to be a response to yeah. hits, but it's fine. Whatever. I, I don't mind seeing it either way. I don't want to get people can disagree. I don't want to get. I don't want to get bogged down. I don't want to go to the Boston Bruins. Yeah, and I wonder if you know, living living where we are right now, does Gary Bettman have to put his foot down on some of these moves that we're seeing? I mean, listen, we just heard about a note being sent to all GMs mm-hmm. about cap circumvention and trading for injured players and Arizona does it again like there are those on the internet right now that are suggesting that they're not even a real hockey team anymore they're just burying contracts and stockpiling picks like this is worse than Sam Presti and OKC right now because at least you know they're going to use all those picks Arizona is just hiding I know they've got a lot of picks but they're just hiding contracts there they're not even fielding a team and they could end up with a generational talent 
playing in front of 5,000 people at an arena made for a university hockey team. So that is pretty much, I think when it comes down to it, that becomes the biggest problem for, for me at least, is that you could have Connor Bedard playing there when you know that this they have no track record of, of any success in any form. Like they, they, they don't retain talent, they don't build up talent, they don't develop talent, they just bury contracts and have picks and then squander them. And when you have a player of that caliber, potentially another generational player, potentially going there, okay. But what about, ugly. what about your team? If you are paying into a system that gives that team money as well, mm-hmm. I would not be happy. No. How, how can how can you be? No. There's like so many different layers to this, and it just seems almost comical. Maybe maybe that's why the NHL wanted that out there about Gary Bettman saying don't circumvent the cap because that's all we've basically seen for the entire week here no yeah no, there's no question about salary it. retentions injured players being moved I mean listen I don't want to put Taylor Hall in a spot where I don't believe the injury I really like Taylor Hall mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people who believe that he might return just in time for game one of the playoffs like there has to be some alterations here and listen I know we're never going to see a soft cap I know we're never going to see the luxury tax I brought it up 35 different times I brought it up to Brian Burke on this show only to be shouted down I brought it up to anyone who would listen and everyone says it's not going to happen should they have a luxury tax Yes. Will they have a luxury tax? No. So there has to be some sort of alteration to the rules so you can't just do this. You can't just have the Kucherov on the mend until the first game of the playoffs and then he magically returns just in time for a cup run at $20 million over the cap. Here's what I suggest to the NHL. If a player finishes the season on the LTIR, he has to sit out the first round of the playoffs. And I know there will be guys that will be legitimately injured that may get screwed out of a seventh game. But the way the NHL is manipulating this right now or the way that GMs are manipulating this right now, it's not fair to their fans. The fans don't like seeing it unless it's their team doing it. And if we pull the electorate right now, Mm -hmm. I guarantee you the vast majority of them will say that this is horse bleep. We actually asked, so I'm going to get to some of the responses in a second. But with the amount of teams that they have done business with, I don't know what actual percentage. I'm just going off the top of my head. But they have made a number of moves here where they have sort of bailed teams out of situations where they were up against the cap. Like the Oilers is a perfect example. Understood. They wouldn't have been able to get Nick Bukestad had the Coyotes not bailed them out. Understood. So with the more moves that they're making here, there are more teams that are appeased and probably not going to be upset but you still think that it's an overriding well, but, issue that the NHL needs to take no, care of. No but the only reason why they're in this spot in the first time is that because they've had a flat right. cap right. and if they had a luxury tax you just add to it and instead of paying Arizona to play in that 5,000 seat stadium yeah. you could pay a luxury tax for the teams that want to go over the cap a little bit instead of just teams that are making money by this good old-fashioned thing running a really good business like mm-hmm. It has to be frustrating, and I think it's frustrating for fans, which is who I'm looking out for in this spot. Just for some context, uh, Adam Herman tweeting out, of the $67.2 million cap hit the Coyotes now have on the roster, 57.6 of that is allocated to pseudo-retirements, cap retention via trade, and contract dumps. 
57.6%. And I said that we would get to a couple of uh, responses. We asked, does the NHL need to address salary cap manipulation? Friend of the show, uh, FaZe Sebastian says, absolutely, your roster should need to be cap compliant for every playoff game too. So taking years a little bit further, not just first round. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Michano writing in, it's been a complete joke ever since Tampa won the cup over the cap. Um, trade deadline became... Trade is dead flatline. Now we're seeing moves left, right, and center. And I love it. Let the sleeping bear Batman hibernate for the winter. Uncle Timmy says. <laughs> All right. So there are some. Yeah, no, yeah, there's, there's been, been a lot of action. Move, yeah. There's been a lot of movement here, and we were worried that there wouldn't be a lot of movement because of it. So all we're having to do is retain salary. Yeah. And that's why I love what Steve Eiserman is doing in Detroit. I know Dylan Larkin was very emotional mm-hmm. earlier today when talking about the deal. I mean, he signs a long-term deal, and then they trade Tyler Bertuzzi. They also traded Philip Arona. I think this takes huge brass tacks mm-hmm. from Steve Eisenman to do what he's doing in hockey town, a pretty good hockey market. Yeah. He's making tough decisions, understanding that the market is very hot right now, and he's cashing in even though his team's close and they haven't made the postseason in what? Like seven seasons, eight mm-hmm, seasons mm-hmm. in Detroit? Mm-hmm. Like, this is re- Like, I don't know if a Canadian GM could pull off what Steve Eisenman's pulling off right now. I think the interesting thing about this is that you have to have a direction. And Steve Eisenman clearly acknowledged that after the back-to-back losses to the Senators, their direction was Bertuzzi's a UFA, the cold, hard, rational decision, which puts us in the best position to succeed in the future, would be to get rid of an unrestricted free agent that we're going to lose for nothing when we're not going to make the playoffs. It's not going to happen. Right. He acknowledged that. So I think that when you look at a market like Detroit, they're probably okay knowing that Eiserman's moves, it seems capable. It seems like he has an idea of where he wants to take the team. But we've seen throughout this whole year, teams like Vancouver... There's no direction. They don't know where they're going. And that's when fans start to get frustrated because they can't see the well, light at the end of the you tunnel. Left out, you conveniently left out a Ronick. Uh 25-year-old with another year left on his deal. But his deal is going to hes gonna be more expensive after that next season when he becomes a restricted free agent. And but then you're next, getting picks for him. Isn't next season when Detroit wants to be good? What yeah. I'm saying here is he's made tough decisions. No question. Really tough decisions that I'm not sure in the pressure of the Canadian markets, Canadian GMs have the guts to make. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm giving him credit. I agree with you. The direction helps. But he's also pissed off a lot of his own fans mm-hmm. in order to make this move because they just want to see the postseason. And good on him. I don't know that a lot of Canadian GMs would have the gumption to make a deal like that or a couple deals like that and even piss off the guy that you just like. Larkin was emotional. He was kind of perturbed. He said, I got to trust in Steve. But I, I good on him, man. You pissed off a guy that you just signed to an eight-year deal because <laughs> you think it's the right move. Yeah. Those are the franchises that end up winning long-term. No doubt. Making um, tough decisions. I don't even know what the segue is here other than we saw another masterpiece last night from one Connor McDavid against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And we would be remiss if we didn't talk about that in first things first. So what was it like for you watching McDavid do it again last night? Another multi-goal game performance when we talked talked it up yesterday. In the first period. It's it's in the first period. Yeah. He's he's the third player in a hundred years to have five straight multi-goal games. It's 
it's ridiculous. And here's how ridiculous it is. Our friends at Bet Rivers have him as a minus 5,000 pick <laughs> to win the Hart Trophy. And there's, what, 20 games left in the season? Yeah. So if he gets hurt, it doesn't matter. What they're telling you with this number is with 20 games left, Connor McDavid could get hurt, and they think that he's still going to win the Hart Trophy. Sorry, knock on wood. Oilers fans that are pissed off at out of us mentioning that Connor McDavid could get hurt, he's minus 5,000. That tells you all you need to know about what <laughs> Connor McDavid is doing right now. And uh, Matias Ackholm, I think, showed a little bit of what... One game. One game. Don't do this. I, I saw this from Leaf fans. Don't do this. Just let it, just let it rest. Fine. One game. Fine. One game. I'll move on then. Yeah. Fine. Remember Ryan O'Reilly, Buffalo? Leaf fans all super excited. Oh, yeah. yeah. Winning the cup, planning the parade route. Let it sit. He's a really good defenseman. Well, he, adver- he, he advertised why they made the move. Steady. Calm. We don't have the Mark Spector tweet. Smart. Do we have, guys? No. Okay. Mark Spector had a tweet about this being Ken Holland's best move ever because apparently Matthias Eklund's wife really wants to go to Edmonton because she grew up in northern <laughs> Sweden and loves skiing and wants to raise their kids in a four-season city. And that might be the greatest move in the history of the Edmonton yeah, Oilers. Very, very good. <laughs> they get a, a good. hockey wife who actually wants to be in Edmonton. That's I thought it was good. really good. Yeah. Um, so I'll give, I'll give back home. Now. Okay, but fine. the rest, just wait, and we'll see what it ends up fine. being. Good debut, I understand fine. it. Yeah, fine. The Leafs and Bruins, both in action tonight and both on the network. Boston hosts the Sabres on Sportsnet, while viewers in Calgary can see the Leafs visit the Flames on Sportsnet West. And later tonight, the Canucks host the Wild on Sportsnet Pacific. Meanwhile, a huge game on Broadway tonight as the Sens visit the Rangers. Jacob Chikrin is expected to make his Senators debut, while Patrick Kane will play his first game with the Rangers, is there one or the other that you're more excited to see? Or I think Chikrin obviously was near best case scenario for the Ottawa Senators. Uh, I won't judge this one after one game either. We won't talk about I'll it let him settle in, and it takes a while sometimes for players to find their groove with a new team. That said, I don't think the same will be said about Patrick Kane and the Rangers. He played with Artemi Panarin and has had extreme success with him. In fact, might have been his best two seasons in the NHL for Patrick mm-hmm. Kane. He won a Hart Trophy. Panarin won a Calder Trophy. I mean, this seems like it'll be set them in and they could be on fire. I don't know what it means in the postseason. They look to me like the Leafs have looked in the past where there isn't enough. I mean, they got Barkley Goudreau. They have some, um, some grit. Truba. Some piss and vinegar, yeah. yeah. Truba on the back end mm-hmm. is something the Leafs have never had. But they, they feel like they might be a little talent heavy and weak on the, uh, on the piss and vinegar that could get them through. But there has to be a lot of excitement down south. Like, I mean, there has to be. Listen, all this action has to have captured the American media's attention. I mean, you think about what St. Louis has been doing. That's a good hockey market, yeah. right? Boston is loading up. That's a good hockey market, an original six hockey market. And, of course, uh, the Rangers getting Vladdy and Kane. Uh, they must be just eating it up. So let's check out uh, First Take featuring not only Stephen A. Smith, but a guy who knows that market really well, Michael Kay, the voice of the Yankees. Let's see if they're excited about hockey. I have a good one. I think it's an interesting one. Which team in New York do you think wins a championship next? Rangers. 
Oh, Lord. Come on, Patrick Kane they is don't able. Count. They don't count. Take they don't out. count. They don't count. The only thing I know about hockey, hockey is, is that the, the puck is black. Okay. And I love you, Gary Bettman. That's my buddy for, for who I owe a trip to the hockey game. Right. It, is no, it. it is no disrespect to the Rangers what? and to Patrick Kane, of course, but just, just for Steve. Football, a. basketball, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect the to the New York Rangers. That was predictable, though, no? <laughs> Stephen A., you, you, this is not a hockey guy. That's fine. That's fine. Not everyone can. It's a sports show. Yeah, I guess that's true. Yeah, I, that would bother you because you, you, you pride yourself on knowing all sports. And Stephen A. is just disregarding hockey completely. Which New, York te- which, which New York team? Wins the championship first. He says he likes Batman. Yeah. Likes <laughs> Michael right. K not saying the Yankees. Yeah. Interesting. Well, they're, I don't know about I don't know about them this There's year. There's a voice of the Yankees. I don't know about them this year. Uh, okay, Knicks. so Stephen A doesn't big want, win last night. Stephen A doesn't want to talk hockey, so we will go to basketball. Right. How about that? Uh, the Raptors visit the Wizards tonight in the first of two straight games in DC. The Raptors have won eight of the last ten games to move up to ninth in the Eastern Conference. One game up on the Wiz. The Raps have 19 games remaining in the season. Do you expect them to keep moving up? In the standings. It's just that the last little while, and, and listen, a lot of what I was going to say you just said, but it's just the last little while. The teams that have lost have afforded them an opportunity. And I don't know what the Brooklyn Nets are going to be for the rest of the season. Uh, the Miami Heat can't seem to find it. And the Raptors are now a half game back of the Hawks. There isn't real opportunity here. The Toronto Raptors going into back-to-back against the Washington Wizards starting tonight on Sportsnet 1, that if they sweep this season series or if they sweep this back-to-back, they get into a real interesting spot. And Denver is going to be a tough road trip, but that L.A. part of the road trip doesn't look as daunting as it did just a couple days ago. So, listen, I, I don't know what they are. I know they're better with Jakob Pertl. I know the... Post Freddie Van Vliet having a child bump in the past has been real. Uh, I'm not betting against it, and I'm and I'm here for it. Listen, if that's what they're going to do at the deadline, then let's see what they have in it. What do you think the goal is in the room? Like, do you think they have a seed where they're like, we 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 think we have enough to get to six? Sorry, what did I say? Nothing. What? Do they have enough to get to the six seed? I think so. Yeah. What did I say? Nothing. Okay. Still to come. <laughs> Jay's highlights with Alec Manoa Sebi on was, the mound. Yeah. And an opening day type lineup. Mike Fuda joins us to discuss the flurry of deals this week in the National Hockey League and what could be on the way less than 22 hours to deadline. Plus, after the break, we'll keep the basketball talk going. We plant the seed with Ramona Shelburne dropping by to give us her thoughts on the MVP debate and Kevin Durant's debut with the Sens. That's all coming up next on Tim and Friends. All NBA eyes on Kevin Durant, his son's debut in Charlotte, and he played like, well, the all-time great that he is. Unfazed, no nerves, at 23 points in 26 minutes. Here's McDavid, Christ, that Purpose or intelligence. It just doesn't stop. Eight more trades in the NHL on Wednesday. Jacob Chikrin to the Sens. The Canucks, they get Philip Ronick. GMs, they're still busy ahead of Friday's deadline. 
still to come, probably more trades in the NHL and who's <laughs> left to go. But if you're looking for a break from the rumors in the trade talk, actual games on the network tonight, including the first of a very important back-to-back -back between the Raptors and the Wiz. Okay, it ain't for top spot in the East, but if you want real playoff basketball, these two in Washington will go a long way to getting the Raptors there. Coverage starts 6.30 Eastern, 3.30 Pacific on Sportsnet 1. Let's take a look at the odds powered by Bet Rivers. The Raptors, winners of eight of their last ten, are favorites on the road in Washington. Now, Kristaps Porzingis expected to return to the lineup after missing the last two games for the Wiz, who enter the night a game behind the Raptors. Odds makers definitely think the Raptors are headed for the play, and currently they are minus 500 to finish between 7th and 10th in the East and be in that play-in tournament. Although, Jesse, they, they might screw you mm -hmm. and make that six seed. Wizards also big favorites to finish between seven and 10. Yeah, they currently sit. That's pretty surprising, 10. to be honest. It's a whole new game. Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. All right, listen, the hockey deadline has been so all-consuming that I feel like we've left our hardcore homies in the lurch. No more, my friends. No more. We attempt to make good by bringing in one of the best in the business from ESPN. You know her from the jump and now NBA Today and just plain old good reporting. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Ramona Shelburne. Welcome hey, back. How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Finally, you know, it's been, I live in Los Angeles, and so it's been like Seattle here for the past month. We've been getting <laughs> yes. these very, like, it just rains every day, and it's cold. We had snow the other day in L.A. We were like, I, none, we are so soft here. <laughs> and so now I'm finally back to being warm, and I can go back to being soft and not feel bad about it. <laughs> so now it's back out in the walks? Yeah, yeah. yeah no I more toots? I was like. Yeah, I, well, we don't. We're not prepared. Like we're <laughs> yes. freaking out. Like we don't have. We have potholes out here. Yeah. We don't know how to drive in the rain. I'm like, I'll just stay home. It's just, it's too complicated. I felt now bad. I'm like, okay. One of our digital producers <laughs> went to Arizona for a golf trip, and it snowed on them while they're, <laughs> they're gone. I know. Yeah, it's been crazy. Wild out here. Uh, all right, I can't believe we are where we are with the Toronto Raptors, especially where I was with them on the start of the season. Like I'm bigging up a Raptors whiz back to back, but but here we are. At any chance that this Raptors team changes with some help from Jakob Pertl, an actual rim protector, and of course we've got the, the Will Barton revenge games here. Dude, I think Pertl was a great addition for them. I mean, he's kind of what they needed for a long time and they went out and got him and it was it was interesting for us covering the trade deadline because so many teams were trying to get yeah. Ananobi away from the Raptors. So many teams were trying to get you know all of the useful players that the, I mean other other teams were trying to get Pirtle, by the way, mm. um, and the Raptors just went and got him. And it, you know, it kind of had a full circle moment for me because obviously he was the guy who was who was included in the Kawhi Leonard trade a few years ago, and he kind of they just got him back. They needed him, right? And um, he's, you know, he's th this team. The, Nick Nurse, I got to tell, you, I don't know how else to phrase this, but Nick Nurse is a hell of a coach. Like, you know, it reminds me a lot of times in college when you say um, the team we are at the beginning of the season is not going to be the team we are at the end. Uh, when you have a good coach and you have a good program, it just you just need some time. And they went out and addressed their needs at, at the trade deadline. And you know, I like I like the way the Raptors played it, which was like we don't have to make these deals right now. I know teams are interested in Van Vliet. I know teams are interested in Ananobi, but they don't have to do anything at all. And they don't have to do it right now. They can do a lot of, you know, a couple of years ago it reminded me of the Cali Lauer situation where you kind of knew Cal's yeah. future was elsewhere. But they waited until the offseason and they actually got something for him because Miami still wanted him. So it was, you know, I, I think that's um, 
I think when we look, you know, at, at how the Raptors do business, it's a um, if you're able to do that and you're able to be patient and not make deals under duress, then you can you can sit back and and have a, a deadline like they did and actually continue to compete. And I think it's I always am in favor of teams continuing to compete, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's it's good for the leagues, it's good for the players. Like it's, it's a really bad situation. Not like a, a team like um, San Antonio right now. I mean, it's, it's pretty clear what's happening in San Antonio. Like, right. they, you know, they sort of engineer this losing streak, right? And, um, oh, you can do that for a year. I actually respect Greg Popovich for, for, for taking the losses on his own record himself. Right? Yeah. A lot of t- coaches will but, <laughs> stick that with the interim coach, right? But we all know L's. Pop's getting women yama, right? Like, this is that's how it works out, right? Feels meant to be, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it, do- <laughs> it does like definitely. That's in the stars. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree with you. It's tough on culture, too, right? When you just say, okay, we're going to lose games, players know that. Like, that's why in Detroit it's been so tough. That's why in Orlando up until this year it's been so tough, is that you say okay to losing, your players don't know any different. I- I'm with you. I-, I like the fact that teams want to compete. So, so I'm watching the Raptors fourth quarter against the Bulls and my guy Scotty Barnes after shooting uh, one of eight through three goes beast mode. He had eight points, four blocks. We're talking about patience. He, he put DeMar in his back pocket and I, and I think like where in the good name of Joe Wolf's mullet has that been all season? But should we build in patience in and growth yes. in the budget for stumbles like we've seen from Scotty? Yeah, and you know, by the way, he's not the only guy, right? No. Like, like his whole rookie class is having a regression this year. Right. <laughs> like yeah. Evan Mobley in Cleveland's having a bit of a regression. Kate Cunningham, obviously, not even playing. Like, it's you know, it's it this this is very typical for players, uh, you know, in the NBA, especially young ones that come in after just one year of college. Is to you have a great year, the league scouts you, the league adjusts. Now you have to adjust back. We see this. Right. All the time in the NBA, you definitely see it in baseball where somebody have a great rookie season. Actually, it'll happen sooner in baseball because there's a lot more scouting game to game, pitch to pitch, right? But mm-hmm. um, I think with Scott, he's he's so young still, you know, and they haven't put him in that that real featured role yet that I think will come next year. Like next year, you really kind of hand him the keys. And that's when you know whether you can build around him long term. That's when you know, okay, is he a, just a nice rotational player or is he a foundational piece? I love the baseball reference from what I believe to oh. be an all-city second baseman. Is that correct? Oh, right field. Well, oh, right. okay, in high school, I played everywhere. High school, I, I played shortstop and right. catcher and outfield. Yeah, yeah. In college, I was an outfielder. Okay. So. All right. Understood. Yeah. Uh, I had but- the arm. I was like, don't run on me. I was, I was on right field. <laughs> click, click, boom. Little Dave Winfield. Yeah. Oh yeah, no. I just in pregame warmups, I would I would like throw it as hard as I could, so no one would run on me. <laughs> By the time I finished playing baseball, I had one throw in my arm; otherwise, it would fall off. And in warmups, yeah. every time I would just gun one to third base to try and yeah, this, this uh, please don't run on me because I don't have another throw well, in this arm. Li- that, exactly. <laughs> well, mine was not because my arm didn't work. Mine was like I had the yips. So when I got to college, oh, really? I, they changed how I threw, and I just I kind of started aiming the ball a little bit. But if yeah. I threw it far. Like from right field to third base, I could still let it loose, right? right. I could let it rip. Right. And so that's why, like in you know, in in basketball, the the comparison lately has been Ben Simmons, right? It's right. another topic. And I yeah, remember going up to you know, with everyone in Philly and then everyone in Brooklyn, and, and even Ben himself. I talked to him about it. I go, listen, I know what you have. I had this. Like you mess with your motion, you start thinking about something you've never thought about before, and all of a sudden, you you uh, it doesn't something that was automatic is not is like uh, uh, like doing something inside out and 
it's a really hard thing to overcome, but there are strategies to do it. And I think, you know, Ben Simmons, like that, you know, you talk about regression. Woo. Yeah. We thought last year was bad. Yeah, it's, it's getting yeah, worse. This year was, yeah, you saw some, you saw some signs with him, but then now he's just totally out of the lineup in general. And, it, you know, he's got a knee that needs to be fixed and, it's it's not a good situation all, at all. I want to talk about uh, uh, one of his former teammates, and I know it takes a while to yeah. gel. I watched LeBron, uh, D-Wade, and Bosh struggle at yep. the jump, so I'm yep. giving that context. But what's more concerning to you, that the Clips are 0-3 with Russell Westbrook or that Kyrie and Luka are 1-3 together? I think Kyrie and Luka. The yeah. Clips to me and Westbrook. Westbrook is just... Um, He's like a nice to have. He, they didn't need to ha- have him, and if it doesn't work out, they won't. They'll just not play him that much. Right. Um, and the games that they're losing are not because of Westbrook. It's not because of his fit or anything like that. Like I was at the game against the Kings. It was 176 to 175. Remember that one? Yeah. Um, it, that wasn't on Westbrook. I mean, you know. And then the next game was in Denver. That was an overtime game as well. These are all close games that they lost. The the, the bad loss was the Minnesota loss. That mm-hmm. was at home that they should have won. But to me, Dallas has some issues. They got a. They have. They they lost Dorian Finney-Smith in that trade. They included him as part of it, and he was one of their best wing defenders. And they already didn't have great rim protection. So now you you lost some of your your best perimeter defense, and now you, and you already didn't have. Rim protection, right? right? And so, just defensively, they're kind of a mess. And there's—I don't know what they can do right now between now and the playoffs to really fix it, other than get some contributions out of this young player they have named Josh Green, who's a—he should be a better defender, but he's still really young. And so, I don't think it's a Kyrie Irving fit. I think it's just what you gave up to get him that you're really lacking. And now they don't have a lot of time, and he's a free agent, right? And so, you're you're Dallas, like. You know, this threat of the Lakers looming for Kyrie Irving because they still can sign him as a free agent. I I think it might push them to make a decision that they don't really want to make. Like they, you know, I think the sense of, of the, being cautious with how many years you give Kyrie, being being cautious with how you structure his deal and building in protections, you can do that if you have leverage. If there's not another team out there that's going to give him more or longer years or, or less protections. But there's this threat of the Lakers. And if this team goes out in the first round or something, now you've given up a lot to get Kyrie and you could lose him for nothing. Are the Lakers done this year before I let you go? I don't know. I I still believe in them. I don't know why I'm delusional, I guess. Like (laughs) I watch them play and I'm like this roster before LeBron got hurt. I mean, he's going to be out for a while. Like, you know, he won't even be looked at for another three weeks. Okay. So he has a yeah. issue with a yeah. tendon in his foot and you know, somebody described it as like, it's plantar fasciitis, but way worse. Okay. Yeah. That's um, that's, yeah, it's not great, you know, and that's basic. We're, we're almost talking the end of the regular season. So what they have to do is they have to stay in it. To, they have to stay in it long enough for him to have a reason to try to come back. Right. If they lose too much while he's out, then he'll just shut it down for the rest of the year. Right. And that's, that's how this is set up. Right. Anthony Davis is still managing an injury, but if you look at what they had, we, we literally get to see it for one game. I think it was just the golden state warriors game. That was on ABC. That was a really good game for them. That's a more talented team than the one that they won the championship with. I, I mean, like the the the, the, yeah. the after the trades they made, if they're all healthy, that's a that's, that's a better that's team the than big the one if, they won right? at all. That's the big if if they're healthy and yeah. and when you're that age, when I see a foot injury like that in a big dude and a guy that says yeah. you know it, something popped, that scares the bleep out of me. Uh, speaking of pop, 
Uh, I know there was some <laughs> pop in the bat, Ramona Shelburne, because we've got video yeah. back oh. in the day. Uh, Ramona oh, yeah. Shelburne, look at this. Gold Is this glove level defense playing outfield? <laughs> That's me and Wright. Look at the air I get. Oh, okay? look and at I, this. With Jessica Mendoza. That, yeah. yeah, we like run into each other. It was like, that was like a pretty good moment there. Um, I'm in right field, she's in center field, and we're both so amped. Like, we, we, neither of us thought we look at, look how far we travel to go get this. That's what was so crazy about it. And neither of us called it because we ran so far. There's ne never a thought in my mind. I, I, I don't know what happened there. You know? um, like, I, but the thing is I'm five, two and she's like five, seven. So look, look at the air. You tell me, was I catching this until she robbed me of the catch? Look at that. Let me go in my glove. <laughs> I was up there. I was. Up, she was tall. You, you were both there. That's great defense. Can't call each other off because you're you're in a dead sprint. You don't know if you're getting there. So focused. Yeah, <laughs> I know. That's I don't awesome. think I got ups like that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, appreciate you talking basketball and baseball with us anytime. You got it. All right. All right. There is Ramona Shelburne. Yeah, all city is a high school player. Obviously, if you're going to that school and playing that sport, you're you're a pretty decent player. Stanford's first ever women's college World Series game, too. How about that? Jessica Mendoza in center and in right field. Amazing. Unbelievable. Look at them now. All right, after the break, speaking of baseball, pretty good-looking lineup for the Jays today in spring action. Alec Manoa to the bump and a good lineup. We'll get to the highlights, plus another example of the pitch clock working wonders. Next, right here on Tim and Friends. Say that. The Jays back in action in Dunedin today against the Pirates exactly four weeks from opening day when the Jays will face the Cards in St. Louis. Alec Manoa probably a pretty good shot to start on opening day. He was on the bump this afternoon with a very opening day lineup as well. Have a look Jesse Springer at the top followed by Bo, Vladdy, Dalton Varsho in that four hole. Chapman, Merrifield, Jansen, Espinal. And Kiermaier at the like bottom of the lineup. Yeah. Looks like a good team. All right, listen. Meantime, Alejandro Kirk at Jay's camp. And we'll be eased into game action next week as well as Brandon Belt. So let's see how it went against the Pirates today in Dunedin. There is Alec Manoa and a quote Ice Cube. Chickadee, check yourself before you wreck yourself. Because battle and Alec is bad for your health. Miguel Andahar there with a comeback in the... Manoa flash to the leather, Jesse. Top second two on Manoa. Had a 2.24 ERA. Gets Leover Pagaro swinging another K. Two batters later, bases loaded. Manoa gets a fly ball from Chavez Young. Second out. And check this out. John Schneider comes out and Manoa, just like the regular season, says, oh, I can leave me out here. I'm fine. What a competitor. Love it. One earned run over one and two thirds of an inning. Bottom of the third, Kevin Kiermaier, first pitch swing in off the wall. That's a double. Next batter, George Springer flies out, but watch Kiermaier's speed on the base pad, Jesse, can sometimes cause damage. He slides safely into third, rather awkwardly, but safely. Bigger back, help there. Next batter, Bo Bichette. That's a single. That scores a run. And it gave Toronto a little lead. However, riveting, it would riveting. end in the... There's no tying in baseball. 2-2. Two, two. Expect, except in Grapefruit League action. Afterwards, Alec Manoa was asked when he starts looking at the results. 
that's when it all matters. So um, you can have a terrible spring and the day opening day comes, uh, you know, throw seven shutty and spring don't matter. So uh, I think the biggest thing is just continue to, you know, build that pitch count, um, allow my body to continue to feel good, my release point to feel good and um, have everything click in once opening day does get here. I actually had the umpire slow me down uh, going out for the second inning. And I was like, hey, I'd rather be this way than the other way around, you know? So um, yeah, I thought, I thought it was good. was able to work quick, um, was on the mound and ready, able to kind of manipulate, you know, some holds and things like that. So uh, yeah, looking forward to it. The work quick part is interesting. I wonder what the pitch clock will do for aces and starters. Like, will it allow them to go deeper? Mm -hmm. Will it tire them out faster? I think we'll have to keep our eye on that. We know For it's sure. going to speed up the pace of the game, but it'll be interesting to see what it does to starters and their length and yeah. whether it affects pitches at all. Well, Manoa said the, the ump tried to slow him down. I can tell you for certain the ump did not try to slow down Wandy Peralta today oh for the God, Yankees. Yeah. Reliever taking on the Pirates. A strikeout in 20 seconds. Like real time, Tim, 20 seconds. Real time, 20 seconds. You'll see here, gets rid of the second pitch with about 11 on the pitch clock. So four seconds is how long he held the ball for and then does it again on the third strike. And this is, I think, what we're going to have to get used to. Some mind yeah. games from pitchers working super quick and batters are going to have to get used to it. Well, we've heard of quick pitching. That, that, that was I mean, an entire <laughs> bat. That has to be the quickest quick strikeout ever, no? It has to be. I mean, he was calling for the ball back immediately as if he had planned to try and throw the batter off yeah. by pitching quick. Yeah, Manoa actually said that like last week in one of his first avails that he was going to try and throw batters off by right. changing up how quick he goes. You go Nelson Cortez. Went too quick today, yeah. Wandy Peralta's teammate. All right, yeah. on the other side, uh, we'll visit with Ryan Leslie in Calgary. Big game for the Flames as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Plus, Mike Buda on the trade deadline week extravaganza. And it's a week now. It's not a trade deadline day. It's a trade deadline week. More names on the move? We will ask Buda next here on Tim and Friends. Time for Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show. Thank you very much, Sheepdogs, back here for the final half an hour on Tim and Friends. Mike Fuda in moments, trade deadline now, 21 hours away. Plus, Ryan Leslie in Calgary, big game for the Flames as they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs. But let's catch up. Caught up to date with what happened at the... Uh, the deadline week extravaganza. You made it. Yeah. I, I, I you stumbled it. through it all because mm -hmm. I wanted to get to deadline week extravaganza. Yes. Extravaganza! The Oilers got a big win over the Leafs last night, and today they further bolstered their lineup, adding center Nick Bustad from the Coyotes for a third round pick and defense prospect Michael Kesselring. Kesselring. <laughs> All I can think of is Phil Kessel ring. Uh, the Coyotes will retain 50% of Bukestead's $900,000 salary. Uh, he spoke a short time ago on his move to the Edmonton Oilers. Edmonton, even even looking at it uh, this summer was when I was in free agency. Um, you know, I, I always kind of hoped I could crack this lineup, and uh, you know, it, it came about. So definitely excited.
I'm not satisfied with where I'm at. I want to win a Stanley cup and, and continue to grow. But, uh, that being said, uh, I think the coaching staff will have some good conversation and, and see where I slot in. And, um, I'll, uh, I'll respond to that and, um, you know, in, in a positive way and, and try my hardest for sure. You'll have to say goodbye to that weather, too. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> it's pretty like cold in Arizona, in fairness, right now. Eastern Conference arm race continuing as the first place Bruins made another big move, adding Tyler Bertuzzi in a trade with the Red Wings. Boston Boston also announced that they have signed David Pasternak to an eight-year, $90 million contract extension. Pasternak was a pending, unrestricted free agent. The new deal will make him the sixth-highest-paid player in the NHL. In exchange for Bertuzzi, Detroit gets the Bruins' top 10 protected 2024 first-round pick and a fourth-round pick in 25. Now, Bertuzzi, the UFA, after the season, and in order for Boston to fit him under the cap, the Red Wings are retaining half of Bertuzzi's $4.75 million hit. Bruins also placed Taylor Hall on long-term injured reserve. As expected, the Blue Jackets have sent Jonathan Quick to the Golden Knights in exchange for goalie Michael Hutchison and a seventh-round pick in 2025. Again, salary retained. How? Well, you know. On the ice, big one between the Leafs and the Flames. Leafs have been extremely busy leading up to the deadline. The Flames, quiet. Leafs coming off the loss last night in Edmonton will turn to Joseph Wall in net. Flames go Jacob Markstrom. They enter the night five points out of a playoff spot. With more, we go live to Calgary. And my friend and yours, Ryan Leslie. Ryan. Thanks very much, Tim. And you mentioned that goaltending matchup. And this is a back-to-back scenario for the Toronto Maple Leafs as they come into Calgary. That goalie matchup is interesting because night in and night out, a lot of the times where the Flames have faced that backup goaltender, and seemingly, uh, from the fans' perspective, it's almost as though that goalie goes on to become a, a Vezina nominee. So that's not exactly good news to have a goalie who's only got a couple of games under his belt if you're the Calgary Flames, because they've given the Flames fits this year. However, this is a team in Calgary that is coming off uh, a pretty inspired effort against the Boston Bruins, only to come up short yet again. These one-goal games have just been a backbreaker for this team all season long. But Toronto comes in. Obviously, the circus isn't quite as big when they played in Edmonton last night. But certainly, with all of the changes that you alluded to, this is a team that's still trying to figure things out. I spoke with Mark Giordano, the former Flame captain and now a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. He said this morning when I asked him about this team, what do you think of these recent moves? And he just looked at me and he said, we're deep, real deep. And it's hard to argue that uh, this is a team that feels they could go deep. But as for Calgary, real quick, Tim, this is a team that is desperate. We know the tread de- deadline is tomorrow. It's been very quiet here in Calgary, not even a lot of whispers or rumors at this point. It's a team that still doesn't know if it's coming or going, and certainly, you know, the game against Boston was a big one to come up short. They've got Toronto, which might just be what they need right now, another big game to kind of find their game as they are in desperation mode, to say the least. So, crucial time for Calgary, but all quiet on the deadline front. And, you know, today, Daryl Sutter was asked about, uh, what's it like, you know? Uh, you get excited to play uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs? Classic Daryl coming up. Players feel an extra buzz on the bench when there's a team like this in town? I don't know. You'd have to ask. Do you feel an extra energy in the building? I've got extra energy because I'm pretty sure we got to win tonight. Not really worried about the opponent. 
you, of course, can feel his energy, but all business for Daryl Sutter. Timmy. Uh, without a doubt. Listen, one quick one here. I, I know that they don't know if they're coming or going. Obviously, Brad Trilliving and his contract have something to do with that. But I just I, I noticed what Steve Eiserman is doing in a similar situation in Detroit. Now, there were different expectations heading into the year, but is there any chance that Calgary looks at what Detroit is doing and what people are paying right now and think maybe it's time to collect some picks? No chance. Uh, This is an organization that believes it's in a win-now window and uh, hard to argue when you look at their roster. They're not where they want to be, Tim, but by no means is uh, the organization looking at anything to do with uh, that type of restructuring. Uh, There are some questions that will have to to be answered Mm -hmm. uh, here in the coming days, weeks, and months, but right now uh, they are still very much trying to win this game, get into the postseason. They believe they can make some noise if they do. Yeah, I wouldn't want to tell Daryl Sutter that we're selling a few pieces. Wouldn't want to go into that coach's room and try that. Uh, Thanks for this, Leslie. Always great talking hockey with you. Thanks for having me. All right, there's Ryan Leslie in Calgary. Big game for the Flames in New York. Plenty of storylines. As the Rangers host the Sens, Derek Bassard will play in his 1,000th career NHL game against his former team. Patrick Kane will make his debut for the Rangers, while Jacob Chikrin is expected to make his Sens debut. Now, Sens GM Pierre Dorian spoke about the move today, and if he felt the pressure from the players to make a move, including assistant GM Derek Broussard, who voiced publicly earlier this week that maybe they deserved it. Anyone who's watched us play the last little while uh, can't not be impressed with how they've played, how how hard they've worked. You know, they've sent me and our group an indirect message. Some said it publicly. (laughs) I don't know if I made it happen. I was just... I was just... uh, you know, like from the experience I have, I, I feel like this team's been in the in the bottom for a few years, and now we're like progressing every uh, like this year, and uh, we're playing good hockey, and um, I think playing meaningful games for this group, the young core, I think that's really important. Me too, and I said it when he said it, yep. and I love Pierre Zinger there. Right? So good, a little zinger from Pierre. The laugh too. Got his own laugh. Yeah. <laughs> the historic deadline continues in the NHL. Here to help us sort through it is uh, someone who told us that the Patrick Kane to Rangers deal may be happening, even though they had already had Vladimir Tarasenko. It is our friend Mike Fuda. What's going on, Fuda? Hey, Tim, how you doing? That was my big trade break. I love it. <laughs> I love it. Any gems like that today, my friend? Well, Freeds is on tonight, and he's walking around on the phone all the time. I feel horrible. Like, I just put my, my mom called me earlier. <laughs> like, this guy's magic around the trade deadline trying to break things. But we certainly have a lot to talk about. But, um, again, it's just been – it's not going to be much to talk about tomorrow, I think, when we start the show. But it's a, a lot to talk about now, and it's exciting times with all these teams going for it. Hey, before we get into the nitty-gritty, I know you know Jonathan Quick a little bit. What will he think about the move Columbus then to, to Vegas? Well, I, I sent out a text. I obviously had very personal feelings with uh, Jonathan Quick and obviously him being responsible. He's arguably the best player in the history of the Los Angeles Kings, and for things to go down the way they did – must have been tough on Rob Blake to make a decision like that. But uh, to be going, I give Yarmo Kukulainen, or Kukulainen, who I think is one of a wonderful, wonderful guy. He's such a classy guy to do that and be able to flip Jonathan back into a playoff race because, you know, this kid, he might end up be the, the 
winningest goalie, American goalie in history, two Stanley Cups, Conn Smite, and he's such a part of the community. You see the emotion on Dylan Larkin's face. Well, I can tell you the emotion of the, the families in Los Angeles to know that a staple of the community in Los Angeles was going to be moving on. Uh, it's just special, and if the hockey karma gods are nice, it's not out of the scene of possibility that uh, the LA Kings run into the Las Vegas the Golden Knights in the first round of the playoffs, and that'll be quite interesting watching a crypto center crowd give the opposing goaltender a standing ovation as he comes onto the ice for the playoff series. Do you think he's still got a little left in there, Mike? Yeah, I, I do. He's just too competitive, and I know he's, he's had a tough year this year, and and you expect the bounce back, but he's he's only a year out of basically taking the Edmonton Oilers to the seventh game, and he yeah. was outstanding. And uh, he had some great performances this year. I say I think sometimes, you know, there's such a pride factor with Jonathan Quick. He's one. He and Doughty are probably the most two competitive players I've ever been around. Is that like last year it was kind of Cal Peterson's team. He kind of slipped back, and then he took it over again. And then this year he started to slump, and Phoenix Copley takes over. Mm -hmm. uh, I think sometimes, like, and it's not because Logan Thompson's a very good goaltender, but I sent a text out, too, to uh, Brad McCrimmon when I heard – or Kelly McCrimmon when I heard it was coming down. And you've got – Kev, um, John Stevens is the assistant coach who was our assistant coach for both our Cups. And you got Alex Martinez. So there's some familiar faces there. And he's going into a team that's just dying to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah. just his mere presence in that locker room. And I, I think he's going to find his game. And it's going to be really interesting. Hey, I was talking about the guts that Steve Eisenman is showing here. Making tough decisions. Even with, like, Hockey Town's first playoff appearance in seven seasons hanging in the balance. Like, I absolutely love it. I think it's those tough decisions that can turn a franchise. But here's, here's the tougher one. Do you think that Canadian GMs can operate like Steve Eisenman is doing without facing a ton of heat? Like, being that close to the playoffs and still selling? Well... Based on what Steve did in, in uh, and I mean, I, I know him, but I don't know him personally, is, is based on the, the kind of blueprint he laid in Tampa, nobody's going to question him. Right. And he's got that kind, and he outworks everybody. So he's not one of these guys that came back and just for the, you know, for the pop and circumstances. Uh, but I do think it's a different situation because there are some markets in Canada. Like, it's, it's not a knock. I mean, I don't know why a player, when Canadian players are turning down trades to the Winnipeg Jets, and I know that's happened in the past, it's got to be tough because this team, you'd like to see a team like that really make a move, but it's not easy to trade away your first-round picks because it's not a real top location for people to uh, report as free agents. They're in tough. And, I mean, again, you look at what Vancouver's doing. I mean, I thought they made a great trade with the Horvat trade, and I have no idea what this one was all about. I'm not sure. It's like you make a good one, and then you make, uh, obviously, they covet Heronic much better than a lot of the hockey people I know. But, again, and you, you look what's going on, like, with what Kyle Dubas has done in the Toronto market, and uh, and he's filled a lot of holes. And you saw the game last night, Tim. I mean, I I'm going to give them a pass on the game because, I mean, they look like a team that was out at a Bruce, Spring Bruce Springsteen concert. But <laughs> it was it was something about, um, you know, you, you know that the dance card is going to be the Tampa Bay Lightning, right? So mm -hmm. they go out, they add their centerman depth. Now I talked about it with Matthews, JT, O'Reilly going against points, Stamkos and Paul. They're arguably now their top six is better. You know, their bottom, they put, have added some grit with Lafferty and Akshari in their back uh, bottom six, or bottom six forwards. They go out and add McCabe. I love his grit. I love Shen's grit. And they've got depth on the blue line. But it's going to come down to, again, if you're talking about now you've tied the, even if you want to say maybe Tampa's marginally better on the blue line, you've got Vasilevsky, who's right now the best goaltender in the world. And I was more concerned last night with Samsonov's game um, because even though they haven't added a goalie, adding the defenseman that they've added, for me, makes that 
goaltender position a much easier position to play as a Leaf goaltender because of what you've surrounded them with. So it's just a one-off game. He's been really good, but Matt Murray and Samsonov versus Vasilevsky right now is maybe my only concern. It's interesting. I asked our group because if you look at the goals against averages in the National Hockey League, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in the top four. I said, do the Leafs have good goalies? to our group and there was just kind of like an awkward silence <laughs> among everyone in the yeah. room. Well, it's just the matchup because you know what I mean? I, again, now right. you look at the, the Rangers have done. So like Carolina, that like the Jersey, that's not going to be an easy out either. Like everybody's so about, wow, well, the Leafs are going to have to go through Tampa and they're going to have to go through Boston. Well, you look what the Bruins have done now. Basically the biggest thing, you're going to have to go through Vasilevsky and you're going to have to go through Allmark. And there's still, I mean, right now when it was that our, when we had Jonathan Quick, Okay. If he had a bad game, we were shocked. You were crushed. Right now, you're pleasantly surprised how well Samson was playing, and it's a bonus. Right. Okay? But Vasilevsky's at that level that you're just absolutely shocked when he doesn't give you an A game. And again, it's going to be fun to watch because the Leafs have added so much character too and, and some Stanley Cup pedigree with Ryan O'Reilly and, and Schenner's experience that it's going to be fun to watch. But I, I'll tell you right now, and you've got players like Mark Giordano who are playing career years, but... Uh, it was kind of just a little concerning last night, and obviously when McDavid and uh, Dreisaitl are taking it to another level, but you got to realize you can say whatever Schenner wasn't in the lineup. Well, Evander Kane wasn't in the lineup for right. the Edmonton Oilers, so right. it was a, a tough start. I mean, I know they're going into Calgary tonight, and you just talked to Ryan and how enthusiastic my Stanley Cup winning coach, Daryl Sutter, <laughs> to get ready for tonight's game. But for me, it's a... Uh, it's, this is all about Jacob Markstrom. And, it, I mean, you've got, yeah. you've got Wall going in net, and the MO of the, um, the Calgary Flames right now is come out and throw 50 at the net, and 48 of them are going to hit the goalie right in the chest. And tonight, they could make, unless they bear down and on their chances and start scoring goals, and Markstrom comes up and plays to his potential, you're going to have a hungry, guilty Leaf team, and it's not going to yeah. be just good enough for Calgary Flames to outshoot them tonight. They've got to find ways to score goals on this guy. Um, and again, no knock on him, but the, the desperation the Calgary Flames should be showing, uh, number three goalie shouldn't be able to take two points from them tonight if they're serious about making themselves yeah, a playoff team. And for Calgary, you need goaltending if you're going to play Daryl Sutter hockey. You know that as well as anyone. <laughs> well, and, and to be honest, they haven't got the goaltending. Well, I said to Timmy, I was loud, I'm driving in my playlist. I, I love Eminem, and I've got the, may I have your attention, please? Will a real Slim Shady please stand up? Well, will a real Jacob Markstrom please, please stand, stand up? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Six million dollars. I Show. love I love that. The Rexdale kid uh, listening to a little Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks for doing this, Futes. Always great catching up with you. My pleasure, guys. Have All a great right. night. There is Mike Futa. Uh, he'll be part of the Hockey Central crew coming your way in about uh, 14 minutes' time. We'll take one last break. Like we'll now. get you to game time and Jesse Rubin on. You. Next Sharp. right here. Let's pick Matt. The, the, oh, the Matt. Yeah. You just look at the hands of the clock, right? I, I know, but sometimes it can be confusing. I'll take it. Need more sports? We got you, kids. Hockey Central follows us at 6.30 Eastern. Then it's the Sabres and Bruins on Sportsnet. Front end of a big back-to-back -back between the Raptors and Wiz is on Sportsnet 1. Coverage starts just a few minutes again over on Sportsnet 1, the first of eight. Basketball double dip that's capped by the Clippers and the Warriors. Also, Leafs and Flames, regionally Sportsnet West, also regional Canucks. Host the Wild on Sportsnet Pacific. Well, uh, 
as if there haven't been enough agreements over the last couple days in the National trade? Hockey League. Well, not really, but uh, fresh off the heels of Charmaine Crooks being named the acting president of the CSA, mm -hmm. it appears Canada Soccer and the women's national team's players have agreed on interim funding, which is, I think, significant. But uh, you tell me. Once you click on the link there and mm. you get a little deeper, uh, you understand that they have agreed on an interim funding agreement for 2022. That's last year. Oh. Okay. And if you listen closely to what the women were saying in Orlando during their job action, it wasn't about payment. It was about support and funding to the program and the feeder systems to the program. Mm -hmm. So it was my understanding, and I said this a bunch of times uh, when we were talking about it, that it's not about pay. It's about everything around the program to help them get ready properly for a World Cup. There is a misconception out there that this is about pay. Yeah, I feel like this agreement may have been in place before even Charmaine Crooks took over as the acting president and that they're just announcing this to make good. But it, it does say that the following statement was approved by both Canada Soccer and the women's national team players. Maybe it's a step. Like I said before, Charmaine Crooks was already on the board. I'm hoping that uh, maybe she has inroads to get this all done and move forward because neither the men nor the women have a deal in place moving forward. Yeah, it does say here a new overarching collective bargaining agreement with both of our national teams is still being negotiated. Therefore, the interim funding agreement with the women's national team players is subject to change on the basis of details included in the final collective bargaining agreement. So there's no real deal. Yeah, so um, maybe a little bit of optics there. But nonetheless, news. All right, the Canucks open up a six-game homestand tonight as they host the Minnesota Wild at Rogers Arena. I just don't know if it's news. As Dan Murphy tells us, most hockey fans in Vancouver are still focused on the trade the Canucks made yesterday with the Wings. Dan? Tim, hello. Canucks getting set to take on the Wild, but many people in this market still talking about yesterday and that trade that came out of nowhere. Canucks sending a protected first-round pick the one they got in the Horvat trade, along with a second round pick to Detroit for defenseman Philip Aronik and a fourth round pick. Canucks fans confused, perhaps even angry, that this team is spending draft capital considering where it is in the standings and how much talent there is in the upcoming draft. I think this trade surprised a lot of people, but perhaps it shouldn't have because Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvin have said all along they're looking to acquire players 25 years of age and under to help build a team around Pedersen and Hughes. They've also said this is not a rebuild, it's a retool, and Hronik fits that bill. Let's make one thing clear. Hronik is a good player, and right shot D costs a lot of money. But I think it's fair for Canucks fans to question whether this team should be paying that price now, considering where it is in its competitive cycle. Tim? I feel like I'm the bull bleep meter right now. Like, whether it's the Canada soccer announcement or 25 and under. Like, he's 25, and what do they expect to be over the next little while? Like, that's the question. Like, he said the competitive cycle. It's like great yeah. term, by the way. I love that term, too. That was too. so good, yeah. But let's be honest here. Are they going to be a team next year? His contract is done after next year. I'm trying to think of if I can remember a bigger disconnect between management and ownership and a team's fan base than what's going on currently in Vancouver. Right. 
and therein lies the problem. It seems like 100% of fans want to rebuild, and you just heard from Murph that management wants to retool. Yeah, no, no, I, I understand the retool. I just wonder, uh, what I'm calling out here is, is this actually a part oh, yeah, of the no, retool, I, yeah. or will this guy be gone by the time that they get good, unless you expect him to be good next year? Maybe he's going to be great, and they'll flip him for picks, which they could have had anyway, without making the deal. Okay. <laughs> no, that's possible. Let's keep tabs, honestly. Yeah, no, no, that's, that, that's, that's probably what's going to happen. Definitely yeah. possible, and yeah. a lot of crappy teams will do that, like a John Klingberg. Exactly. Per se. You sign him, you know he's not going to help you this year because you're not going to be good, but if you sign him and flip him, you can get picks out of it. Unreal. So. Unreal. Um, should be a fun one at Madison Square Garden tonight as the Rangers host the Senators. Jacob Chikrin is expected to make his debut with Ottawa, and Patrick Kane will play his first game with the New York Rangers. Earlier today, Kane talked about his decision to waive his no-movement clause after 16 seasons in Chicago. It wasn't the easiest decision, but just really excited to be here. And um, uh, with this team, with the amount of skill and good players they have here, it's just um, another chance to make a run. So um, felt like it would be a good experience and um, get out of the comfort zone a little bit and be able to... Uh, you know, play for a different franchise, different team, and um, you know, like I said, obviously they have a great, great team here. So you're coming into a good situation. A little fun here. Our friends at Bet Rivers have posted a special for Kane's debut tonight, plus 150 to score against the Sens. You like those odds? Yeah, I have to do the math on that. Uh, does he have a stage presence? Yes. Yeah, he definitely has a stage yeah, presence. He'll play with cup-winning goal, conference final-winning goal. He'll play with Panarin, who he's been really good with in the past. In fact, he won a Hart Trophy playing yeah. with Panarin. Panarin won a Calder Trophy playing with Kane. I feel like everybody overlooked that little nugget of information that you just revealed. What, the, the Panarin Kane and Panarin, that's no. crazy. I think a lot of people mentioned the fact that they uh, were reunited, and that's part of the reason. Again, I, am I getting old, or am I just calling out all of this stuff? Like, tough to waive the no-trade clause? Are you kidding me? You just stared at management and said, I only want to go to the Rangers. Like, mm -hmm. that, was, that was the thing the entire time, was it yeah. not? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. No, you're not that old yet. Uh, the Raptors visit the Wizards tonight on Sportsnet 1. Coverage starts with Raptors Central in just a couple minutes. Yet. It's been a disappointing <laughs> season for the Raps, but recently they've been playing their best basketball of the season, obviously, winners of 8 of 10. Uh, who deserves the most credit for their turnaround? I mean, it's Jakob Pertl's addition. It's the rim protector. And if you look at the numbers since joining the Raptors, when he's on the floor, they're plus 32. When he's off the floor, they're minus 37. Yeah. That's a pretty big difference uh, for one guy to make on one team. And it's because of the rest of the guys. I'm not just putting it on Pertl, but it allows guys to slot down like Precious Achua, Pascal Siakam. They don't have to guard the other team's bigs because you got that, right? Yeah, and that's mean, a huge help. Remarkable. I mean, management knew they needed a center. People were split on what they should do. It's worked out so far. Yeah, we'll see if it works long term. Yeah, we'll see. All right, Hockey Central, Carolyn Cameron and the panel is coming up next. That game you can see on Sportsnet 1. We'll be back tomorrow at 5 Eastern for a full wrap on trade deadline day in the NHL. I mean, the Raptors game is on Sportsnet 1. Yes. Is that, is yes. it clear? Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Good. Extravaganza.